Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Today's message is a part of our series, Heart and Soul. In this series, we learn that as the body of Christ, we are united around one message, bound by something greater than ourselves. We are the sum total of our gifts. We serve the same Lord, and we are moving with a common purpose. Morning. Welcome to Connection Church. My name is Billy Shiver. I'm the discipleship pastor here, filling in for Brandon this week. So um, super excited about this morning and, and where we're going. We've, we've, like the video said, we're going through this series called Heart and Soul. And uh, if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12 with me. Um, but I just want to kind of, while you're doing that, introduce the series a little bit. This is our third week in uh, Heart and Soul. And basically, that you might hear the terminology heart and soul around here a lot, but uh, that's what we call our members here at Connection Church. And uh, the reason we do that is, is we believe a member is so much more than just signing a piece of paper and getting on a list. We believe a member um, are people, a group of people who are united around one message, that being the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we believe that it's a group of people that are bound by something greater than their self, which is the Holy Spirit. Um, we also believe that it's a group of people who are the sum total of their gifts. It's them coming together, which makes up the body of Christ. Um, and it's also a group of believers that are serving the same Lord, that being Jesus Christ. And then the last thing is they're moving together because of all these things and, and one co- with one common purpose, and that is to connect unbelievers to God and believers to each other. So that's kind of where we're at with the Heart and Soul series. Today we'll be, refer- we'll be talking mostly about um, when your heart and soul, how you utilize your spiritual gifts to build up the body of Christ. So that'll be where our focus is um, this morning. And I don't know how y'all grew up or, or how long y'all been in church, but I don't think that I've ever heard a message on spiritual gifts. And, and I grew up in a Baptist church, so uh, pretty laid back. I mean, you raise your hands in worship, they come by and pull them down. You know, the deacons come by and all this stuff. So I don't know what, where you're at. And I'm sure there's a ton of different philosophies um, and, and a ton of different views on this. So I really want to look this morning at, at what the Bible has to say about spiritual gifts and how important they are. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 12 that we're not to be uninformed about spiritual gifts, but we're supposed to know about them and to be utilizing them. So that's where we're going to jump in um, this morning. So if you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 12, we're going to be starting in verse 3. So uh, if you don't have your Bible, it'll be up here behind me. Um, so let's read that together. Verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so when when we get into this, I want you to think about like here's basically if you don't hear anything else today, I like to go ahead and get my takeaway out there so you all know exactly what I'm coming from, what everything's building around. And here it is upon salvation. Every believer receives spiritual gifts. No matter who you are, every believer receives spiritual gifts. The purpose of these spiritual gifts is to strengthen the faith of other believers and build up the body of Christ. 
So listen again. The takeaway is upon salvation, we all receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us with these spiritual gifts. These spiritual gifts are intended to be used as God intends them to be used. When they are given, when they are used the way they're intended to use, they encourage and strengthen the faith of other believers. And they also build up the body of Christ. So that's where we're going. That's, that's where we're coming. And I want to, um, let me pray for us real quick and then we'll get started. Lord God, I thank you so much, God, Lord, just for who you are and, and God, the work you're doing in our lives. God, I pray as we open your word to dig into, um, the topic of spiritual gifts that you would just give us ears to hear your word. God, would we not come in here for the person to the right or the person to the left of us, God, but would you speak to us, God, would you speak to us individually? Um, Lord, this morning, when we leave here knowing, God, how can I strengthen the faith of another believer um, in my life, those close to me and those, God? So we love you and we thank you so much, God. Hide me behind your cross in Christ's name, Jesus' name, amen. Um, all right, so here's where I'm thinking. So we get, we're going in three directions. So before you see Paul in Romans 12, and, and before he gets into the topic of spiritual gifts, he introduces two different things. He introduces, he, he talks about judging yourself with sober judgment. So to see yourself with sober judgment. So he's worried about a correct view of self. And then he moves to a correct view of the body. So he talks about what the body is. And then he goes into spiritual gifts. So I want to kind of walk through a correct view of self, a correct view of the body, and then get to spiritual gifts. So follow along with me. Um, it, we'll read verse three and we'll start there. It says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So why I ask myself the question, why would Paul, why does Paul want us to have a correct view of ourself before we can learn about spiritual gifts? And so, so why does he do that? Because here's the thing he knows that if we don't have a correct view of self, then we won't utilize spiritual gifts the way they're intended to be used. If we don't have a correct view of self, we'll make spiritual gifts about us and not about other people. So think about it like this. For me this morning, um, while I'm up here, I have one of two options. I can make this about me or I can make this about Christ. So that, that's kind of the, the thing I'm going on. And, and here's the thing we have to know is that a correct view of self only comes from seeing our true selves in the light of who God is. In essence, the gospel. So, so a true view of self, a correct view of self only stems from the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see this in Isaiah 6 as, as Isaiah comes before the throne of God and he sees, he sees God. He sees the throne room of God. Immediately, what does he do? He drops to his knees and he says, woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips. And like this is the thing. We cannot look upon the person of Jesus Christ in his scripture, read about him and not see where we fall short of him. And so it, it creates this opportunity in us that if we see this God that's, that's holy, that's perfect, that's righteous, if we see him for who scripture says he is, then it ultimately leads us to see that we're not like him. He's like no other. We're, we're, we're nowhere close to what he is. And, and Isaiah 59 two says that that sin separates us from a holy God and that we have no way of being in a relationship. We can pray to God, but he don't hear us. We can talk to God, but he, he cannot look upon sin. And that's where we are. He's holy. We're not and, and that relationship is, it's not, it's not in unison. It, it doesn't happen. And so it's only when we get to this view of ourself that we can actually hear the gospel and see the, the truth behind it and see the good news that it is for us. Because if we see ourselves in this light, then the person of Jesus Christ means everything to us because the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is that God has sent Jesus 
to take the place of us on the cross. So if he's holy, he's just, that means he's just, he has to do the right thing and we're sinful, then there has to be a just penalty for our sin. There has to be a just penalty for for the sins that we've committed. And so what he's done is he said, I sent my only son to take on not only your sins, Billy, but the sins of the whole world of those who believe in Christ. And so what he's saying is, is that's the gospel. That's the good news. Now that through Christ, we can be reconciled into a relationship with God, not by any work that I've done. I couldn't come to church enough. I couldn't study the Bible enough. I couldn't come to small group enough. I couldn't do all these good things that we label. I couldn't do enough of those to reconcile my relationship back to God. I couldn't simply, you just can't. And until we get that picture of the gospel and until we understand that fully, we really, we don't see anything because it's almost like you're almost in one of two places. And and I find myself here all the time. The first place is on one side, I feel like I, I base my righteousness. So, so when I say righteousness, it means right standing with God. So, so I believe I get to this place where I'm walking and, and maybe I have a day where I get up and, and I read the Bible and, and I pray and, and I'm having a pretty good day. And, and I, maybe I talk to somebody about the Lord and man, I'm just pumped up like, man, I'm doing pretty good. And when I'm here, I get to this point where I look at people who maybe aren't doing so good. And I'm like, wow, I'm doing pretty good. You know, so one side of this workspace salvation where I can try to earn my righteousness before God leads me to a cocky arrogance where I'm looking down at other people. And then on the other side, you got these people who are, are me. This is what I go through. And, and it's like on one side, I get up and maybe I'm late for work. So I come in and I don't get a chance to spend time with God in the morning. And I, and I you know, just have a bad day. Maybe somebody cuts me off in traffic and, and I'm just having a terrible day. And, and so at that point, I get almost clinically depressed. Like, God, man, I'm how could you ever love me? And so I get in one of those two situations. But the thing about it is, is that what those two situations have in common is that my righteousness is based off of what I do or what I don't do. And that's completely not what the Bible says the gospel is. He says that our righteousness, our our earning, our relationship before God is only through what God's given us. Salvation, a gift, only through faith, by grace, can we be reconciled to a relationship with God. And so why would Paul start it off like this is because he knows, man, if, if we don't have this view of what we've been given, including salvation, including gifts, if we don't know that what we've been given was from God, everything we've been given, we've received from God. There's, there's no other way to look at it. And that's why I would say that there's really no way if we truly understand the gospel of Jesus Christ to walk in arrogance. There's absolutely no way. And, 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 and I find myself when I get to this point where I walk in, in this, man, I'm doing pretty good. I'm taking my eyes off of Christ. And I'm, 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 and I'm holding myself up in the light of my actions or somebody else's actions. And I'm not holding myself up in the light of Christ. And, and so what we have to see is that when our faith and righteousness is based on Christ, our boast is in him alone. That there's no other way to put it. Like when, when we understand the gospel, our boast is in Christ alone. That, that's it. We can't boast in ourselves. It's not by what I did or what I didn't do. It's by Christ's work on the, on the cross for our salvation and through faith alone in that. And because he knows, why does Paul start off like this? Is because he knows to understand gifts, we must understand that everything we have was given to us by grace, including salvation, including gifts. And we did nothing to earn it. We did nothing to deserve it. He deserves all the praise. He deserves all the glory. He deserves everything, you know, and I, I just think about it like in this aspect of, of 
maybe Brandon, like we all know our pastor, senior pastor here, Brandon, he's very good at communicating. Like he can, better than anybody I know, he can take a complex thing from the Bible and make it understandable to me. And that's hard to do. And, and so, you know, he, he takes these complex issues and he breaks it down and, and, and he definitely has the gift of teaching as the gift of, of making things clear. And, and so it would be like me walking up to him and, and being like, oh, Brandon, dude, you are freaking awesome, man. You are, you are good, man. I don't know how you do all these things. When like, he's just utilizing the gift that God's given him. Like, it's not about him. It's about the gift that God's given him. Think about it like this. Say I'm building a house and I'm a, I'm a pretty good architect or uh, architect construction guy. I come in, I'm building this nice house and somebody comes up to maybe I used a hammer and build it with my hands. They walk up to the hammer. They're like, dude, you are an awesome hammer. You built this house. This is incredible. I don't understand. And then I'm sitting back over here like, Dude, that's a hammer. I'm the one who built this house. It's the same way when God utilizes our gifts, he is the giver of the gift. We're the hammer. We're the tool in the hands of the redeemer. Like he uses us. Think about it like that. And so the first thing that Paul understands is that we have to have a correct view of self. We have to understand that everything we've been given was a gift of God by his grace. And the second thing we have to understand is is we have to have a correct view of the body of Christ. And so if you look at me with verses four and five, here's what he says. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Listen to that again. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. So when we see this, he gives us this picture of, of, of the body of Christ. So why does he, why does he give us, why does he tell us we need to have a correct view of the body? Because he knows if we don't have a correct view of the body of Christ and how it's intended to function, we're going to make our spiritual gifts about me because it's not about building up a body. It's about me. And, and so that's what he knows. And that's why he goes into to talking about why we need to have a correct view. So why do we need to have a correct view of the body of Christ? And what does he tell us about it? He says, for one, that it's many members. The body of Christ is not a church building. The body of Christ is not a Sunday service. The body of Christ is a group of believers. And he calls these many members. So when he says many members, what he's talking about is members of the body of Christ are people, are believers who submit to the headship of Christ. So that's what he's saying. When he says the body of Christ we think many members, that means many members and the members are the people who submit to the headship of Christ. And then he says, each member has a different function. So we're many members. We have many different functions. And so what he's saying is, is we each have gifts that we utilize to make up this body of Christ. And then he says, so he says, we're many members. He says, we have different functions. And then he ends it with saying that we're united with one body, with one purpose. And so the, when he says that, what he's saying is that, that it's almost, think about it. He uses this example of, of the, the human body. So he uses this example of the human body and anybody's taking anatomy, who's taking anatomy in here? We got any smart people? Okay, cool. We got a couple. Um, so, so if you've taken, if you've taken anatomy, what you know is that, man, a body is made up of a ton of parts. We, I don't know them all. You don't know them all. We, I mean, there's just a ton of parts, but God designed the body to work in a specific way. So if I come up to you and I say, all right, hey, here's what we got to do. I know you like your heart, so I'm going to leave your heart. You can have your heart. But I'm going to need your liver. 
So you take the liver out of the body, but you leave the heart. But those just being two of the many parts that make up our body. If I take your liver, the body's not going to work the way it's intended to work because I've taken out a missing link. When he talks about the body of Christ, that's what he's saying. He's saying that y'all are many members that make up this huge organism or house that's moving together and that each member has a different function. And we function when, when we utilize these gifts to roll together like, like a human body and it results um, in that. So when Christ, when Christ, and, and here's the, here's the funny thing about it is like, when you think about it, how in the world could you take this many diverse people from this many backgrounds and, and all these different things and bring them together under one, like one purpose to pursue the same thing? Like that'd be impossible. Like I, you know, and, and it's, it's almost like, think about it like a football team. How do you get a wide receiver, a cornerback, uh, a quarterback, a lineman, all these people who have very different functions, who do completely different things. And, and how do you get them on the same page? You bring in a head coach. And the head coach, when you bring in that head coach, what they do is they get all these people on the same page to push them in the same direction. Well, Christ says that we are the body and he's the head. So how does he get many diverse people who believe in Christ to do the same, to serve the same function, which is to bring glory to him? He gives us the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the head. So the head controls where the body functions. So that's what he's saying when he compares us to the body of Christ. And when Christ talks about the church or the Bible talks about the church, what it talks about is, is that when we're saved, we're saved into the body of Christ. So when we hear the gospel, we repent and we turn from our sin and we put our faith and trust in Jesus for what the work he did on the cross. We're saved. We now make up a part of the body of Christ. And, and he calls that the universal church. That's the big C church. You may hear it like that. So that's all the believers in the world. So whether it's you in Statesboro, Georgia, you in Columbus, Georgia, you in Bangladesh, wherever it's at. And, and, and those, that makes up the church. Everybody's a part of that church. But then also we see in the book of Acts how he divides it, how he divides it into local churches. And these local churches are separated by geographical location. So you got a church in the city of Rome. You got a church in the city of Colossae. You got a church in the city of Philippi. You got all these different churches separated by local churches. So what I want you to know is that you're saved. Part of God's work in your life is you're saved into a local church. You're saved to make up a part of the local church. No matter if that's here in this local church or it's in another local church, you're saved to be a part of of that local church. And, and it's like, oh God, why would you save me to be a part of the local church? And, and it's because God's purpose for your life. And I remember as a college student, this is the question I probably asked myself the most of anything. I asked myself, God, what is your will for my life? I don't know. Like you, med school's here. I got, you know, I could go over here and work with FCA. I could go over here and do this, this, and this. I got all these different options. I'm like, what? And maybe you don't have an option. Well, there's still something that you can do. And, and, and you get to this point where it's like, God, what is your will for my, for my life? And I was thinking, oh, it's to go to this city or it's to do this position or it's to do this. And man, scripture is clear. First Thessalonians four says that God's will for your life is your sanctification. That's a big church word that just means to grow you into the image of Christ. So God's will for every one of our lives, if we're a believer in him is to conform us into the image of Christ. That means that our life should look like Christ. He wants to grow us into the image of Christ. And one of the main ways that he does that is through the local church. You think about Jesus. He didn't roll around like by himself. He had some people around him. You know what I mean? Like, and, and you think about it, like you see this all the time in college ministry and, 
and, and you get people who are just, they love to seclude themselves and just dive into the word, which is an awesome thing. It's a great thing. But what they do is they seem to separate themselves from the body of Christ and they study the Bible and gain all this knowledge and knowledge and knowledge and knowledge. But God's will, God growing us into the image of Christ is not just about knowledge. It's about conforming us into the image of Christ. And how he does that is through walking with the group of believers and walking um, and, and growing with them. So, so what, what, that's what we call heart and soul here at the church. Like that, that's what it means to be heart and soul. We don't talk about membership. We talk about becoming heart and soul because when we think of membership, we probably think of, oh, I got to go through this class, sign a covenant, and I get on this list, and then I get a church email. That's, that, that's probably what I thought when we got membership. But the thing about it is, is when you're heart and soul with something, that means you are sold out to follow it. And when you think heart and soul, what we want you to think is your heart and soul with Christ. You're sold out to follow Christ, and you're also heart and soul sold out to, for the church, and you're utilizing your gifts. So it's just like the video says, like it's such a perfect illustration. It says that we're a group of believers united around one message, that message being the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, 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 and when we're heart and soul, that message means more to us than anything. So whether you're in school or whether you're at your job or whether wherever you're at, if you're heart and soul with Christ, then you don't see your job as only a place to make money and to provide for your kids, which is what it's, that's intended to be too. But like your job is a place in which God's put you to share the gospel with people who don't know him. And, and whether you're in school, maybe you're in class, like, and you're in class by yourself. And I know me, I used to just go sit in the back hand corner and text or play Facebook, whatever I used to do. And, and so, but here's the thing we got to realize is that, man, we are in class for a reason to influence the people around us. We're on a sports team. If we're on a sports team, we're on that sports team or we're a coach or a parent of a player. We're there to influence people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and the next thing is that it's a group of people that are bound by the Holy Spirit. It's a group of people that are sealed upon salvation. God says, repent. We talked about this two weeks ago. Repent and be baptized in the name of Christ. Repent, faith, baptism, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when you do this, what it does is, all right, how do you ensure that a group of people are going to go towards the same direction? You put the same person within them. You want to conform them into the image of Christ? What do I do? I, if I was God, I mean, you know, it makes sense. You just put Jesus Christ to live inside of them. And that way their desires change. They get a new heart and they want to pursue the same thing, which is incredible that he can do that, but he does. And, and so, so they're bound by the Holy Spirit. They're bound by something greater than herself. And then they utilize their gifts to serve the same Lord. So not only that, when your heart and soul, what you do is you say, okay, I have a desire to strengthen other people's faith. God gives us that. And when we do that, it's what can I do to strengthen other people's faith? And, and so it's a group of people that are asking, how can I strengthen the people in my small group's faith? How can I strengthen the faith of those that I'm close to? And, and so we see that. And then the last thing is that they're all stri- it's a group of believers all striving together after one purpose. We call that here connecting unbelievers to God and believers to each other. Wrap it any way you want to wrap it. That's what the Bible teaches. You can say it any way you want to say it. Connect unbelievers to God and believers to each other. That's what we're here to do. And, and so a group of people that are heart and soul, that's what they look like. And, man, this is why we're, watching, we're launching the foundations class. And y'all may have saw me on a video up there. I know y'all could I look pretty crazy. But anyway, you see, um, and, and we're launching this foundations class. And what this foundations class is, is I'm so excited about it. I'm so pumped. It's almost like the hub for everything that we're going to do 
at our church. You know, we've realized that we, we've had people serving, we've had people um, giving financially, we've had people join a small group, but like we've had nothing in place to ensure that they know why they're doing those things. You can be serving in a connect group and giving financially and be doing it for the wrong reasons. So what we want to do, whether you're a new believer and need to know foundational questions or whether you've been in church your whole life, this foundation class is what it's going to do is it's going to answer questions like, what does it mean to be saved? Like, I heard salvation all the time growing up. I heard salvation everywhere. It's like, oh, you need to be saved. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And, and so you get to this point and it's like, well, what does that even mean? And then you get to another side and it's like, how do I spend time with the Lord? So you hear people say, all right, Billy, you need to spend time with the Lord. I'm like, I know, I do, don't I? And most people in here would probably say, I do need to spend time with the Lord, but nobody's ever sat down and explained to them, what does it look like to study the Bible? What does it look like to pray? What does it look like to do these things? And we want to do that for you. We want to show you how to do these things and what the Bible has to say about them. And then, and then also you got, what is my life supposed to look like after salvation? Like, okay, I'm saved. Now what? Now what is my life supposed to look like? We want to walk you through what that process looks like. And then we want to tell you why, why do I need to be involved in a local church? And so we want to ensure that you have that foundation so that you can understand the decisions that you're making. So the first thing is we need to have a correct view of self. We need to, Paul, we need to understand everything that's been given to us is a gift from God and it's made to glorify him. We need to understand that we make up the body of Christ. We need to have a correct view of the body of Christ. We're one part of a body. So we're one part that serves a function that, that goes with a whole body. And so we need to understand that. So the body of Christ is God's people pursuing Christ together, walking with each other, and leading others to walk with him. And then finally, the third thing is that we need to, this. now that we have a correct view of the body, a correct view of self, now we can talk about a correct view of spiritual gifts. And we read this in Verses 6 through 8, and here's what it says. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So he reminds us again, every gift we have is given to us by grace. And he says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so there's three things that we need to know about gifts. One, we all have gifts. No matter who you are, if you're a believer in Christ, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, you have a gift. It may be one gift or it may be multiple gifts. And, and what you need to know is that upon salvation, every believer receives gifts. No matter who you are, if you have the spirit, you have gifts. That's number one. Number two, we're called to use these gifts. And we'll be held accountable for using these gifts by God. God says, I ensure you with gifts so that you can build up the body of Christ, so that you can encourage and strengthen the faith of others. So if we're not utilizing these gifts, we're not using them as God has intended us to use them. And, and so that's the second thing you need to know. And the purpose of these gifts is to strengthen the faith of other believers. So if you don't hear anything else this morning, this is what I want you to know. I'm not necessarily going into telling each person in here what their spiritual gifts are, because that would just be crazy. And, and, and what I want you to know is the purpose of spiritual gifts, because I feel like if we know and we focus on the purpose of spiritual gifts, our gifts will become evident in that. 
So the purpose of spiritual gifts is to strengthen the faith of other believers. Namely, the seven, 800 people, some odd people sitting around you right now, the body of Christ, whoever's close to you in your small group believer, how are you strengthening their faith? So we have to know the purpose of them. And we've all been called. If you look at 1 Peter 4, God says that we've been called to steward these gifts for his glory. And how do we do it to his glory? We build up the body of Christ. And so when we think about this, and, and then the third point is, so you got one, we all have gifts. Two, we're called to use them. We'll be held accountable for using them. And then the last thing is, Billy, how do I know what my gift is? How do I know what they are? And, and that's really the point that I want you to see is that don't spend all your time like taking these spiritual gift tests. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying I've spent countless hours like, Lord, what is my gift? Why is my gift? I don't, I don't understand. You know, sometimes I think I'm here, sometimes here, here, here. And, and I focused on naming my gift rather than just seeing the purpose of the gift. A spiritual gift is meant to strengthen the faith of another believer. So I feel like if we can focus on the purpose of how can I strengthen the faith of another believer, our gifts will become evident. Does that make sense? And, and as we focus on that gift, as we focus on, you know, walking into our small group and saying, man, how can I get to know Christ more tonight? And then how can I strengthen the faith of another believer? Whether that be in a multiple number of ways, you can go through the list here. And, and I think Paul in Romans 12, he's not giving us a uh, exhaustive list of every gift. If you go to 1 Corinthians 12, if you go to um, 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4, a little bit, they have all these different types of gifts. And I don't think what they're doing is giving us an exhaustive list of all the gifts that, that God gives. But a gift just in general is an expression of faith that strengthens the faith of another believer. So that's what I want us to focus on. And, and I've just seen it in my life that when I focus on strengthening the faith of another and encouraging the faith of another, like my gifts become evident. And, and so, um, here's three questions as you focus on, as you focus on the purpose of the gift being to strengthen the faith of other believers, here's three questions to ask yourself. And only can you ask yourself these three questions when you're focusing on strengthening the faith of other believers. The first one is what am I passionate about? So am I passionate about serving people? So am I passionate about giving? Am I passionate about giving to people? Am I passionate about encouraging others in their faith? Am I passionate about teaching others? Am I, am I passionate? I mean, there's, there's tons of different ones. You can go through all of them. Am I passionate about leading others? Am I passionate about speaking truth into people's lives? What, what is that for me? And, and, and obviously all of these things believers are called to do. So for a spiritual gift to be, you know, you got, Prophecy, which just means speaking truth of God, speaking the truth of God. Service, you got serving people in any kind of way that builds up their faith. You got teaching, teaching the Bible, teaching people in a way that encourages their faith. You got um, exhortation. Exhortation is just encouraging people. That's just a church word that says encouraging. And and you got um, the one who contributes and generosity. So giving, giving is a spiritual gift. You got um, acts of mercy. So so seeing somebody who's in need and fulfilling that. Now, obviously Paul's not saying if you see somebody in need that, Oh, that's not my spiritual gifts. I'm out of here. Like that's not what he's saying. Like James says, if we see somebody in need and we don't clothe them, there's no way the love of God's in us. So obviously in this text, he's not saying that these are all the spiritual gifts and we're only called to do one. What he's saying is that a spiritual gift is something that we excel at, which is the next question. So the first one is, what are you passionate about? And the, the second question is, 
what am I good at? So what, like, if, if say this, if, if, if I feel like my gift is teaching and I teach and nobody listens or nobody's learning or I'm not encouraging or strengthening anybody else's faith, my gift's probably not teaching. You know what I mean? If, if when I teach, people are like, dude, he is arrogant. Why the crap would I listen to him? Like, if, if that's what people say, probably your gift's not that. If, if you know, and, and so think about it in that kind of way. So what are you good at? What do you feel like you strengthen people's faith? Which comes to the third question. Ask somebody close to you. Ask those that are in your small group. Ask people that you deal with that are believers. Ask them, like, man, how do I strengthen your faith? Like, do you feel like I strengthen your faith in the first place? Secondly, like, what do I do? What am I doing when I strengthen your faith? What does that look like to you? And, and I promise, in focusing on strengthening the faith of other believers, your gifts will become, will become evident. And if, if you want to look at you can read Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, if you want to write these down. 1 Peter 4 talks about it. 1 Corinthians 12 lists out some spiritual gifts. Obviously, these are not exhaustive lists. Um, it should be in your reading. If you have an announcement card, we give you five days of reading. These texts are in there. Um, Ephesians 4 talks a little bit about it too. And if you want to read those to be like, okay, these are kind of um, some spiritual gifts that I may have. But I'm telling you, focus on strengthening the faith of those around me. And I can tell you this. I want you to leave today. If you don't hear, hear this. How can I strengthen the faith of those close to me? Whether it be my family, my friends, my small group, whatever. How can I strengthen their faith? And Man, I want to be a part of a church that, that, that does that. I want to be a part of a church that understands the gospel. To have a correct view of self, we need to understand the gospel. So I want to be a part of a church that has a correct understanding of the gospel, that understands the gospel. I want to be a part of a church that understands what the body of Christ is. That it's not just about one person up here singing or one person up here teaching or a staff or anything, but it's about every person. Corinthians 12 says that like there's no part greater than the other. Like, just as important as the person who's up here speaking is the person who comes at 6 o'clock and sets up. Because none of this happens if nobody comes to set up and serve. Like, none of that happens, you know. And, and, and so many times we're like, oh, he's up on stage and doing this, or he's singing, and his gifts are being glorified. But, like, man, the heroes to me are the people that are here, you know, serving day in, day out, who are leading small groups, which where, is where we believe that real life change happens. And, and those are so important to us. And... And those are people, and I'm telling you, the church will not function the way it's supposed to function if we're not utilizing our gifts to serve the kingdom. And, and so this is what we see in the book of Acts. Throughout the whole book of Acts, you see people who are utilizing their gifts, and you see what God has done through them. And, and, and so really, I probably understand that there's really three types of people that are here this morning, and, and I want to just kind of focus in on what's your next step. Like We focus on that a lot here, and, and we just want you to leave knowing what your next step is and, and taking that next step and, and where are you at with all this stuff. And the first person, man, your heart and soul, you know it. Like you, you know you know the Lord, you know you're walking with the Lord, and you know you're utilizing your gifts to serve the local body, whether that be here or in another church. Hopefully it's here. And, and, and you know, if, if that's you, then you know your heart and soul. And what I would say is, man, we need you to invest in other people. We need you to become a, a small group leader. We need you to do all these things that make our church go. And if that's you, man, thank you for what you do. Thank you for the example you set. Thank you for that. And then number two, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard the gospel. Like your friend brought you to church and you're like, oh my God, what? Like spiritual gifts. I thought that was crazy people, you know? And, and so, and, and you know, you see this and maybe that's you. And maybe this is the first time you've ever heard, man, 
that God is holy and you're sinful and you're separated from him and you can't be in a relationship with him. But then you know that God loves you and because he loves you, he sent his son to die on a cross to take on the punishment that you deserve because he's just. And because he's done that, now through repentance and faith, we can be reconciled back to him. We can pray. We can have a relationship with him. And he talks to us. We can spend time in his word and we, and we do that. And maybe that's you. Your next step, man, is salvation. All you got to do is come before God and say, Lord, I know I don't know you and I want to know you. God, so would you just open my heart this morning and would you, God, I'm turning from my old ways and I'm putting my trust in you and what you did on the cross for me. And if you do that, man, I challenge you this morning. We got some people out back and, and they're at this table and I don't, people are super shy about going over here because I'm always over here after the service on Sunday and everybody's like, like looking, you know, they look different direction, but what, man, we're not trying to like choke slam you or double leg takedown. We're not trying to do any of that. All we want to do is get you some resources to show you, okay, this is what salvation is, man. Here's you a Bible. Here's you a reading plan. Here's you a journal to, to just get to know and have resources to, to begin your walk with God. And, and what we're going to do is we're just going to shield you into the foundations class where we can build that foundation up under you and you can begin to walk with God and understand what you're doing and not just tap you on the butt and say, all right, man, go about your business. No, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying, we want to build you up and we want to encourage you in, in your walk with the Lord, because that's what we're called to do is the body of Christ. And, and, and so that's the second kind of, maybe, maybe, you know, you know, God, you know, you know, Christ, you have a relationship with him and you just, you're not a part of the body of Christ. You don't serve. You're not in a connect group. You don't give financially. You don't do these things that we're called to do with the body of Christ. And maybe it's because you're a college student and you're like, you know, I'm only going to be down here for four years. Uh, it's not big of a deal. I go home most weekends. Um, I do all these things like, no, like God sent you to Georgia Southern or East Georgia or Ogeechee. I don't think we have any enough college. And he sent you here for a reason, man. Get involved, like be a part of the body of Christ. He may have sent you here for four years to serve a part of the body that we're not going to have for four years. And you need to fulfill that role. So plug in, be a part of the body of Christ. Parachurch ministries are awesome but they're not the church. You need to be a part of the church. You need to be a part of the body of Christ and be encouraged in that. Or maybe you just in church and you like to come on Sundays and sit through a service. And what I would tell you is biblically, you're a spectator and, and you, you're not a part of the body of Christ, which is, I'm not saying this to get onto you or to yell at you. I'm saying this because we're meant to be a part of the body of Christ. And being in the body of Christ, it conforms us into the image of Christ, which is his will for our life. So maybe that's you. If, if that's you this morning, I've made your next step really easy. If you pull out your announcement card and look at it, there's a spot on there where you can say, I want to become heart and soul. And, and, and if you'll put your information on the front of that card and check that box, you'll be contacted this week. And, and what I want you to know is that signs you up for the foundations class. And we want to teach you how to walk with God. We want to teach you what it means to be a follower of Christ want to get you plugged in and, and getting to know some other believers who can help you along in, in your walk with God. So I don't know what your next step is this morning, but I, I pray that God will give you the courage to take that next step. And, and I can, I can tell you this from personal experience, your next step is always the hardest thing to take. But when you take it, you look back and it's like, man, I'm so glad that I took that next step when God was telling me to do it. So let me pray with you real quick and we'll get out of here. Lord God, I thank you so much for your word. God, I pray as we leave here today that we would leave here with no other purpose 
than asking ourselves the question, how can I strengthen the faith of other believers, God, namely the body of Christ? How can I strengthen the faith of my family, God? How can I strengthen the faith of my husband, wife, spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend? How can I strengthen the faith of my friends, God, those who I interact with? God, will we ask ourselves that question and would you make our gifts evident through that question, Lord? So I just pray this morning, Lord, that you would give people the boldness, God, to make their next step and whatever that is, God. So we love you, Lord, and we pray in expectancy because we know that you are the only person that changes hearts, God. It's not a motivational speech or a great sermon, God, but it's you that change hearts, God. So I pray as you come, Lord, that we'll respond. In Jesus' name, amen.